Welcome to The Phonetic, an audio sports storytelling experience. My name is Jake Fisher. You've likely read my work at Sports Illustrated, the Boston Globe, and SB Nation, among others. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast feed in iTunes and or SoundCloud, and check out the first two episodes on Ben Simmons' work with a mental coach, how it may help fix his broken jump shot, and the inside story behind Zaza Pachulia's epic Game 7 speech in 2008. Today's episode, I'm actually using this space for the reason it was created. On Friday, my ode to Kevin Garnett ran on SI.com. This podcast is even more relevant now that Paul Pierce announced the 2016-17 season will be his last two. If you just don't have the time to sit down and read for 10 minutes, here's your chance to now listen to my written work as well. I was extremely fortunate to conduct the final phone interview of Garnett's career back in April, as he announced Friday afternoon his retirement after 21 years in the NBA. KG doesn't really do interviews anymore, but to speak on his relationship with Kendrick Perkins, he was more than happy to. You'll find out more about their indestructible bond in a few moments. Thank you for tuning in. His gruff voice crackled through the speaker. It's the only phone interview request that Kevin Garnett granted during his 21st NBA season. Later stage Garnett has developed the media presence of a mangy house cat, mostly disregarding unfamiliar folk trying to tickle his opinionated thoughts while he primarily cuddles up to cozy storylines. Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan's retirements warrant responses. But why should a 40-year-old world champion league MVP get tangled in discussing the minutiae of each game, each practice? He frequently changed his cell phone number to avoid unprompted calls. He enjoyed prolonged soaks in the shower to escape post-game media availability. This, however, was a special exception. Oh, all good. Thanks for part, man. That was Garnett in the April of what would prove to be his final NBA season as he announced his retirement on Friday. In 2007, 22-year-old Kendrick Perkins repeatedly slammed his 6'10", 270-pound frame against Garnett. The clash on the block, elbows and muscle and ear-searing trash talk, endured all evening during the Celtics' visit to Minnesota that February 11th. Garnett's Hall of Fame resume be damned. Journeyman point guard Mike James spent Perkins' rookie season in Boston. On this evening, he dressed in a Wolves uniform. That's just the way his attitude was. He wasn't backing down from no one. He wasn't afraid of no one. Then Celtics head coach Doc Rivers smiled from the sidelines. You know, KG talks and Perk talks. And the thing I liked about Perk was he didn't care that you were KG or Kobe or Michael or whoever it was. You know, he was coming at you. And he, he was convinced that you couldn't score him. And that he was better. You know, he, he always, you know, he used to make the comment, uh, you may be great, but not tonight. <laughs> and I used to love it. I mean, it was a great, it was a great line. Yeah, I thought it really irritated star players, you know. Uh, he, he would say it all the time. Somewhere in between their box outs and rim runs, a competitive hatred brewed. Yeah, we really like each other. You know, we <laughs> had like a little history. After Minnesota narrowly emerged victorious, the two towering brutes sought each other outside the Target Center locker rooms. They had to be separated. 
I don't remember exactly what happened post game, but I'm there was a little, you know, there wasn't any physical altercation, but there was some verbal altercation between the two. That's longtime Celtics assistant coach Jamie Young. Perkins' barking still rang in Garnett's ears when Minnesota and Boston discussed their blockbuster trade on draft night that June. The Celtics remained firm. Boston would only exchange the promising Al Jefferson and a horde of other assets if Garnett agreed to a contract extension. Talks regained steam in July, with Boston having already acquired sharpshooting all-star guard Ray Allen. This time, before making his final decision, Garnett phoned Paul Pierce, having harbored a relationship with the Celtics star from previous All-Star weekends and Team USA events, seeking conscience on if Perkins' character would stand in the way of their championship aspirations. Kevin is like, you know, what's up with Perk? You know, is he going to want to fight me when I come to the team? And I was like, Perk looked up to Kevin, and you saw the gleam in his eyes when he finally got in the locker room because... Kevin inspired a lot of the kids that you see in the league that came out of high school, and Perkins was one of them, you know, since Kevin started the trend in the mid-90s. You know, that's really opened the doors for high school guys. And, mm -hmm. You know, uh, Perkins really picked up to him. On the other line, Garnett smiled that toothy, often sadistic smile. He always relished battling younger players, channeling that competition as fuel. And, uh, Obviously, class and had numerous occasions where we had banged a little bit. Um, you got to anticipate that, too, when you kind of like the older or the big dog. You know, you got little pups and stuff. You know, want to come at you night in, night out as the person with the target on your back. So I understood it. Night in, night out, I have someone, you know, um, you know being competitive and, uh, you know, wanting to talk about it. So I, I've never, I never felt short of entertaining people like that. Always got me going, always motivated me. The true motivation for Perkins' physicality passed Garnett's first test, although the frontcourt duo's first day in Boston was still tense. At least, that's how Kendrick Perkins remembers it. He's, trying to, he's still trying to feel me out yeah. and see if he liked me or not, or if I like him, but it was cool. Unbeknownst to the youngster, Garnett was still evaluating Perkins' potential as a pupil. I was cool with, you know, taking him under my wing, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, he was, um, it was worthy, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take anybody that doesn't want to work. I don't like people who complain. I don't like people who doesn't have a work ethic. Mm -hmm. I, don't like, I don't like people who, you know, won't try something or give something 100%. I don't do quitters. Um, so, you know, just from the standpoint, I want to see how he worked out on his own and, you know, a couple of things. And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an in-your-face kind of guy, and what I mean by that is that I'm not going to come grab you for something that's going to benefit you. That's coming from me, you know. Mm -hmm. If you want, you want to, if you want to know something, you want to, you know, be taught something, or have me show you something, then I'll be happy to do that. But it has to be on in your watch. I'm not, I'm not in the jockeying guys, or you know, if I see somebody, you know, that I think that can help, yeah. and um, then I'll say something. But other than that, you know, I'm kind of letting people do their own thing, you know, when I. You know, when I see something, then I say something. But other than that, he was he was uh, real receptive to it. Um, and then um, him and I quickly grabbed the chemistry uh, on the court. Um, quickly.
different than anybody else. You know, I formed a chemistry with a lot of different guys that Paul and I have played together before, so we have rhythm and we knew each other and kind of had some understanding. Ray was my first time. Actually, Ray and I played when I was younger than when Paul and I played. <laughs> um, Ray John, uh, that kind of grew out of the um, fact that, uh, you know, we were just great communicators, high IQs on the court, always thinking basketball. And uh, Perk was just, you know, similar to me. We were grinders, we was, you know, kind of physical specimens. Once I got to Boston and the East Coast, I knew it was going to be more of a physical game. Yeah. But, he, but he and I communicated and fed off each other really well. I looked for him a lot. We were both decent passers. And, uh, you know, yeah, but him and I, we, we jailed quicker on the court as far as basketball more than anybody else. Um, just because we were the two bigs and we were responsible for talking, if not calling out defensive uh, strategies, coverages, and stuff like that. That was all on us. Doc put that responsibility on us. Rivers remembers his defensive anchors constantly buzzing over rotations and closeouts and pick-and-roll coverages in the locker room before games and even while one sat on the bench while the other manned the paint. While many teams implement a static defense for high ball screen actions, Boston allowed Garnett and Perkins to evaluate each opponent on their own. After games, before games, you can see them talking about the opponent and their preparation as a group, you know, as far as those two. And they believe the five and the four held down the fort and, uh, and they talked it up and shoot around and practiced it. Uh, it, it was pretty interesting. During the team's very first practice that fall, Rivers had to whistle live ball action dead on multiple occasions as Perkins matched Garnett's deafening roars at the second unit. Longtime Celtics general manager Danny Ainge created a voracious front line. It's tough to win KG over. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it took Perk very long at all before he had KG's respect. A big brother-little brother relationship quickly spawned. Perkins embraced his apprenticeship. I just followed. I just watched. I observed. I watched. I watched the future Hall of Fame. I watched how he worked. I watched how he operate. I watched his leadership skills, and I just took it all in. Perkins mimicked Garnett's moves in the post. He started arriving at the practice facility earlier, changed his eating habits, and, in turn, dropped weight. He got to see KG work. That's Ray Allen. You know, when they... they he had somebody that was always going to communicate with him, somebody that was always going to have his back. And I think that really gave Perk a direction. And so he started emulating what KG was. They spent every waking basketball second together. It was like a big brother, seeing a big brother look out for his little brother, like take him in the backyard, let's go play catch. It just looked like that. <laughs> like, let's go to the movie. <laughs> Not that they did that, but that's the kind of relationship they had. It was just like... Garnett had finally found a disciple with the perfect mental makeup to simultaneously match his manic intensity and high performance level. Celtics teammates, like guard Marquise Daniels, could only watch in awe. Uh, they both was crazy. I mean, they, they helped each other out. You know, they fueled each other fire. Perkins's omnipresence at the back line of Boston's defense allowed Garnett to jump 12-foot face-ups and switch on to speedy ball handlers at the perimeter. If he somehow got beat, Perkins was waiting. I always thought, you know, and, and KG probably wouldn't like this, but I, I always thought that a lot of KG's bravado, at least when he was here in Boston, was backed up by the fact that if you, if you, if you try to give KG any grief, if you look immediately over his right-hand shoulder, 
um, Purple Shamrock. That's longtime Comcast Sportsnet New England's Celtics play-by-play voice, Mike Gorman. He, he, didn't, want, he, he didn't want to get Turk any grief at all. Yeah. So I, I, I always thought Turk was kind of the, uh, the man behind the myth there. Was with, with Kevin. Um, not that Kevin wasn't a great teammate. Probably, guys will tell you, the best teammate ever is Kevin Bryant. Yeah. Um, and, and everything that he did on the floor I, uh, was legitimate in the sense that that's how he thought it should be done. But in, the, in their time in Boston, uh, which I'm not sure he necessarily had in his years in Minnesota, he had a kind of cop standing right behind him to take care of business <laughs> if things didn't work out. And that was for. Boston's big three of Garnett, Pierce, and Allen, complemented by Perkins and point guard Rajon Rondo, the Celtics raced out to a 29-3 start to the 2007-08 campaign and firmly grasped first place in the Eastern Conference throughout the regular season. After opening round playoff battles with the Atlanta Hawks and Cleveland Cavaliers, the Celtics captured the franchise's 17th championship in six games over their rival Los Angeles Lakers. As champagne flowed in the TD Garden home locker room, longtime Celtics Vice President of Media Services Jeff Twist couldn't sway any of the key contributors to complete Boston's mandatory podium availability. Nobody wanted to leave the party. We not got into arguments, and we not got into fights, and we not wrestled, and we, I mean, it's, we was, you know, we young barbarians, man. We was a team full of barbarians, and <laughs> that's how I always like to explain it. We was like 300. We felt like it was us against the world, straight out. Yeah. Yes, anybody from that team, we, we felt like we were straight up warriors and straight up, uh, Greek god, god, goddesses and all this other <laughs> shit, man. We, I ain't gonna front, man. Our mentality was totally different. Yeah. Our mentality was totally different from the one you see of these days. But um, it was a great team to play on, and we had great personalities. Garnett announced his retirement on Friday, likely to fade into obscurity just as the Timberwolves reascend on the broad shoulders of another generationally gifted young seven-footer. If Kendrick Perkins' development is any indication, Carl Anthony Towns is destined to defensively stalk the paint for the next decade with a snarl, revving a perpetual motor his teammates will only attempt to equal. Garnett's paw prints covering his faded accolades. Quitting reminiscing about the old days. 